This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Downey. Our guest this week is Chuck Connor, President and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Charleston Orwig, a full-service communications agency with a passion for every aspect of the food system. Learn more at charlestonorwig.com. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Chuck Connor next. Passionate about agriculture, food, and strategic communications. Ready to protect and enhance your brand. Charleston Orwig is a full-service communication agency with a dedicated team of reputation management experts. Our passion for the food system is surpassed only by the success of our clients. For more about how we can help you, visit charlestonorwig.com. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. This week, our guest is Chuck Carter, President and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Council members across the nation have a real concern about regulatory issues like the EPA's Waters of the U.S. rule and legislatively with the need for a solution to U.S. surface transportation and immigration reform. Currently, though, Chuck Cotter says the most pressing issue is assisting the farmers they serve by dealing with the bounty of the 2014 harvest. Well, obviously, for uh, farmer-owned co-ops, you know, we, we handle uh, and process a lot of the grain that is grown out there today. The most immediate challenge uh, faced by a lot of the, the people we represent is, you know, how do you dry and handle and store properly a 14 billion bushel corn crop? And, you know, that is no easy task. That involves locating a lot of propane, you know, for the drying purposes. It uh, means, uh, you know, filling your bins and then some, you know, and putting uh, grain out there on the ground and trying to manage it in such a way to, you know, preserve its, uh, you know, quality in that circumstance. So a lot of challenges for co-ops these days, given the the enormous uh, crop uh, that are, you know, coming in as we speak. Even as we talk about this crop, there are those who believe that we're going to wind up with much more than 14 billion bushels, some saying even closer to 15 by the time we get to the final report of the USDA. Can we handle that many bushels in the country? You know, I think we can, Jeff. I I have been uh, all over the country communicating with uh, a lot of our co-op members and, you know, and others uh, in the grain business as well. And, you know, they've they've seen this coming. Um, Obviously, we've become very proficient at uh, you know, storing uh, uh, grain out there in, in temporary sorts of ways. We tend to call it on the ground, but, you know, it's oftentimes not on the ground. It's just in temporary storage facilities, and um, I, I believe they're ready for it. You know, they're ready for even a little bit bigger crop if indeed that materializes. I believe after last year uh, they they made sure that they had the propane supplies coming in because the crop, you know, this big crop is a little wetter than normal. And, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be some, a lot of drying necessary, but they've, they've got access to uh, the fuel that they need to make sure that happens. So we had time, and obviously these uh, co-ops are very, very good at uh, handling uh, the farmer's products, and I, I think we're going to get through it. How big of an issue is the rail situation, especially in the north and northern plains? I mean, they've still got some of last year's crop in the bin. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal, and uh, you know I, I don't want to downplay the the impact that that is having because the basis uh, that those producers are facing in the, you know the Dakota regions is is just mind-boggling that you know you could be dealing with a you know a, a harvest basis that wide, uh, and and obviously that uh, precludes really any producers from being able to almost market you know for this time of year. 
you know, we, we've, we've got to get this rail circumstance solved. We've got to get, you know, alternative uh, shipping sources for the fuels that are coming out of that Dakota region, which are, you know, fundamentally at the root of the problem. There's just too many too many commodities being produced in a region, you know, that has limited rail access. And so agriculture is getting the short end of that. And, you know, there's not a short-term solution, but the long-term solution is, you know, we need pipelines and infrastructure to get those fuels moved out of the region so that the railways can move the grain. You spent time inside Congress and and serving influential members, and you've also spent time at the Department of Agriculture and and now out working with the cooperatives. Uh, from, From your opinion, where are the places that you would begin to try to resolve the issue because it's a public-private situation. Yeah, I think I, I truly would start, and again, Jeff, acknowledging that right now there's there's not a you know an easy short-term solution to move you know all of that grain out of the Dakota region uh, efficiently. But you know, there's an intermediate-term solution, and, and I, I I believe, and this organization believes that it does begin you know with the construction of the pipeline, um, so that all of that. Um, Oil, you know, coming off out of that region does not have to be moved by rail. And, you know, I, I think that's fundamentally where I would begin. You know, Congress has already had an extensive uh, debate uh, on this issue. A number of bills have been passed, but they've not been able to get, you know, the job done in terms of uh, commencing that construction. And that would be the first thing I would do would be to develop those alternative ways of getting the oil out of that area. You've been at the Department of Agriculture when there was a farm bill to implement, and now they are working on implementing this new law. Uh, your cooperative uh, owners, uh, the the members have some big decisions to make with regard to signing up for this new policy. Decisions that are long lasting, not for a single crop year, but for the life of the bill. Are you joining the task of of helping to educate producers and landowners about making right choices? Yeah, we are, um, Jeff, and obviously our. Uh uh, co-ops we represent are really engaged in sort of some knowledge transfer out there to producers. You know, several months ago, it, it, it seemed like a, a less important thing because commodity prices were higher and it just didn't seem like the the new farm programs were going to be a, a substantial part of, you know, the farmers' lives uh, for the 2014 and 2015 crops. Obviously, today that is different, and, and these the decisions these producers make, which could impact them for five or six years down the road, you know, could be the difference between them making it and not making it. So they need the best information available out there so that they can make the right choice for their individual operations. And co-ops are playing an important role in making sure that they've got that information. I would ask there are some major farm groups that are quite concerned about the Environmental Protection Agency's Waters of the U.S. Mm-hmm. rule. Does your group have an opinion on that? Yeah, we do. We've been uh, very actively involved with all the organizations that are fighting against this uh, current rule. Uh, you know, we were happy to see the delay to uh, in the final rule until right after the uh, November election. And, you know, we're going to be continuing to press EPA to, uh, if you will, hit restart uh, on this uh, uh, rule and, uh, you know, and try and come back and be a little bit more inclusive for agriculture and, uh, you know, get our input into the process so that this rule can, you know, be environmentally sound but not 
in its current form, which would be devastating to agriculture and dramatically change our ability to, you know, to produce the way we produce. I note the Farm Bureau just simply has the phrase of ditch the rule, but the Small Business Administration, the, uh, the group of advocacy suggesting ditch the rule, reevaluate, and then come back with another proposal. Do we need a new definition? And if so, how do you arrive at a conclusion that will allow us to protect the water, but at the same time, business and agriculture to continue. Well, we need a you know we need a carefully defined definition that that really goes after what uh, Gina McCarthy and the leadership at EPA say they want to go after. You know, the current definition obviously has is much much broader, uh, encompasses you know all kinds of uh, you know rivers and streams out there throughout uh, you know much of our uh, grain growing regions of the country. And in response, you know, the, the uh, leadership of EPA has said, well, you know, this may be our definition, but we don't intend to do anything here. And, you know, in today's world, that's, that's not going to cut it, Jeff. I mean, you know, we, they need to be upfront in, in terms of what they intend to regulate. And the, the definitions in, in that proposal need to reflect exactly that so that we're not in this, well, just trust us that we're not going to use the authority that we think we have here. We're not going to use this new definition. No. I mean, producers just don't have that kind of confidence in EPA. And, uh, you know, we, we do need to go back and, and you know, if they're going to start again, do so in such a way that they carefully define what their objectives are here and where they intend to put those objectives in place. In a conversation just a few days ago with our Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, uh, he suggested that his wish list during the lame duck session would include action on immigration reform. I see now that your group has joined uh, the Workforce Coalition. Can these two sides, uh, could, could the legislation for immigration make, uh, make your life easier? Well, we've, we've not only been involved, Jeff, but the uh, National Council of Farm Co-ops has, has been leading the, what we call the Agricultural Workforce Coalition, you know, which has been advocating for comprehensive immigration reform now for the better part of two years. Obviously, we've hit speed bumps here. Our, our desire is for in 2015 for Congress to, you know, to take up this uh, comprehensive immigration reform proposal again and, and try and get it passed. We're not, you know, necessarily looking for a, you know, a quick fix here and there and, and you know, something that, that is not going to solve the problem. We've got a major problem in agriculture. Seventy percent of our workforce uh, today uh, are um, people that, that do not have proper paperwork to be in this country. So it's not a small problem. It, you know, it needs a big solution. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate Secretary Vilsack and the, the president's effort to try and move this forward. You know, but it's not something that's just going to kind of, you know, quickly happen under lame duck. I mean, we, we need a comprehensive debate. We need to prevail upon the House to move this legislation. We, we need to see it through to the end and not just, um, you know, get something out there kicking it around. It's a big problem that requires big solutions. The president has suggested that before the end of the year, he's going to take uh, executive action on immigration. Can that help or will that just further cloud the water? It can do either one, um, honestly, and, uh, you know, obviously we are uh, trying to work to make sure that uh, the President's uh, proposals, if they do materialize, would do no harm to our current situation. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we've communicated that at the highest levels of the White House. Uh, I was down there for a meeting a few weeks ago and uh, um, indicated that, uh, you know, we appreciate, again, the President's interest in this. 
our problem is only going to be fixed with comprehensive legislation, not regulatory kinds of actions. And so please, Mr. President, you know, as you consider what options may be out there, don't do anything that's going to you know, move us backward in, from an already very bad situation. What are the policy decisions that could be made that, from the cooperative's perspective, would challenge you? Well, obviously, we've got a circumstance of our existing workforce, and then we've also got you know, seasonal labor problems through the H-2A program. What, what could go wrong, for example, is while the H-2A program is, uh, needs you know, dramatic reform and needs a lot of changes because it's, um, you know, it's difficult to administer, the fact is it is still bringing in a few agricultural laborers into this country that are vitally needed. You know, making changes to the program, we, we want to make sure that that H-2A program, the temporary uh, worker program, is not made even more difficult than what it already is. That, that would be an example of how, you know, action by the president could actually move this thing backward rather than forward. Sustainability has become such a big uh, topic now inside the industry. Agriculture groups looking toward it, those outside agriculture wanting to use the definition of sustainability to set standards for food production. How does the sustainability cloud um, affect the cooperatives in the country, and and is there a way to common sense approach this? I, I, the, the answer to the, the first question is that it affects co-ops in a, in a big way. Um, obviously, uh, Jeff, we have many uh, farmer-owned marketing co-ops, you know, that are producing uh, branded uh, consumer goods out there that you, you know, see on the store shelves, you know, Welch's Grape Juice, Ocean Spray, Land O'Lakes, you know, these are all very, very branded companies. And so, you know, as they attempt to market their products, they're encountering uh, the same um, circumstances relative to sustainability that everybody else is. What I think is different about this current sustainability debate, though, is it's not only sort of an end-user debate, but there's now the desire to see that sustainability rolled all the way back, you know, literally to the farm level and to the people providing the inputs to the farmers. You know, it's a, you know, entire food chain kind of uh, um, circumstance. And, you know, that obviously has... Um, raised a lot of interest, some concerns, some see it as opportunities, but certainly co-ops, you know, being the not only the uh, branded store products, but being the provider of most of the inputs that are necessary to produce, you know, the food uh, in our, you know, in our country, we feel like we are probably more impacted by this than, you know, than other others are who may have a more narrow, you know, focus in the food chain supply part. I see some people who their definition of sustainability would put additional restrictions on commercial fertilizers. They would change the way that pesticides are used. They would change the way of seed selection by farmers, all in the name of quote-unquote sustainability. Well, as you talk about sustainability with our uh, farmer owners out there, Jeff, you get a real mixed reaction because, you know, a lot of uh, producers look at it of, you know, sustainability. Well, okay, this farm has been in my family for four generations. That's pretty doggone sustainable. And, you know, before somebody comes in here and tells me how to run this farm more efficiently, you know, how, how can they show me that, you know, that, that they know more about sustainability than I know and my father knew and my grandfather knew and the grandfather before him? 
you know, who have been, you know, farming this land competitively all this time. That's that's a little bit of the reaction that you get. And believe me, I totally understand that and get that argument. I think, you know, for us, we, we, we do need to acknowledge that our consumers are a different kind of consumer probably today than what they were 20 or 30 years ago. They are requiring more information. I don't think that information needs to translate into, uh, you know, sending um, uh, sustainability, you know, monitors out there on your farm, checking everything you're doing, you know, telling you what you can and can't do. But I think, it you know, it can result in information and guidelines that uh, help, you know, improve our um, uh, ability to go to these consumers and say, yes, we've got a handle on this. And, and, you know, we are producing great quality, low-cost food, you know, with an absolute minimal amount of impact on our environment that we possibly can. And I, I think that'll be a, an opportunity message for, for agriculture and for co-ops in, in particular. Well, Chuck, I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. Uh, this segment is called Open Mic, so the mic is yours. Well, let me just say, um, Jeff, that you know we're, we're proud here to represent farmer-owned cooperatives. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of a uh, uh, what is probably going to be a very difficult harvest out there with large supplies, uh, you know, in some areas wetter than normal conditions uh, for getting it in and and we just see the role of the co-op of being there as a par- you know as a partner for the for our farmer owners to really enable them to to you know focus on getting this crop in getting it harvested getting it stored properly so that uh, we can do great things with it down the road whether that's uh, you know exporting dairy products to China or uh, you know providing quality feed for a feedlot you know in Texas uh, you know we do it all and uh, we're proud of that and uh, you know this is National Co-op Month, so we're, this is a special time where we uh, like to point out uh, the role that we play in a great, great food-producing system that we have. Our thanks to Chuck Connor, President and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. Our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Charleston Orwig, a full-service communications agency with a passion for every aspect of the food system. Learn more at charlestonorwig.com. For AgriPulse, I'm Jack Alley.